0: I just want women to know that they're not alone. And it's really this cultural shift of, we do not need to be like dying to be good. And what I mean by dying, it means any aspect of you, like killing off your dreams, choosing other people over yourself all the time. We don't need to die inside to be good in the world. That's actually the complete opposite of what our life purpose is.
1: Welcome to Made It Happen Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Haefling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. This is our We Rise segment in partnership with Rise Windsor-Essex, where we will be bringing you stories of local female entrepreneurs in the Windsor-Essex area, sharing their stories of how they built their business and how they made it happen. So I just want to start off by saying, Heather, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm so excited to be speaking with you and hear about your journey. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited for this conversation. Yes, of course. So how about we start off with having you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business?
0: Oh, geez. I'm always like, where do I start with introducing myself? One, I love that this is local there's so many gems so yeah so i'm heather chauvin i live in windsor ontario the founder of the podcast called mom is in control and um upcoming book in march called dying to be a good mother i started my career as a social worker and then fell in love with meditation and mindfulness when i became a mother and my boys that was like 16 years ago so they're 16 11 and 8 now And I just, you know, through my journey and then seven years ago being diagnosed with stage four cancer, really diving into like what I would say is like self-leadership, like really how we lead our lives. Um, And then now I just teach women that through the lens of parenting and womanhood. And if she has a business, you know, through the lens of business, because what I often find is... Leadership is something that you're carrying in all aspects of your life. So whatever pain point you have, whatever brings you to taking radical responsibility for how you want to feel, I'm game for that. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me in a nutshell.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to, you know, jump into, it. and there's so many things I want to talk about, but I guess getting started, um, you know, you, co- you coach women through these different aspects that you've talked about. Do you want to just tell us a bit about how you got into that industry as a whole?
0: Hmm. Yeah, so I used to be a social worker in the city. Um, I fell in love with mental health, and I didn't, back then, didn't realize that mental health system just like any other system, medical system, school education system, um, can be limited, like limiting. Um, it can be oppressive, it could be stigmatized. And what I noticed really quickly was, especially as a mother, but somebody who struggled with depression and anxiety growing up, that everyone's telling you what your problem is, but nobody's telling you how to solve it. And I really became obsessed with the how, like Okay, you're telling me to <laughs> help my child with their anxiety, but how? You're even telling me to like try meditation, but how? You know, like there's big barriers there—mental barriers, physical barriers, emotional barriers, sometimes um, you know, systematic barriers. And so, while I was working in a system that I could see a lot of barriers in, I tried to change the system and was just getting a lot of pushback. So. I would say that I actually became an accidental entrepreneur. I never wanted to own my own business. I just started, I started solving a problem that people had, which was moms, parents, not understanding their children's behavior. And I started using a tool, meditation and mindfulness to teach them. So I literally started at the back of 10,000 villages, which I don't even think is there anymore. It was like a nonprofit that was in the Walkerville area. And, um, I was too scared to rent out any space. So they would give it to me for free. And if I made $40 that day, I would give them like $10 or something. And I would have like meditation classes and people just started coming and coming and coming. Um, and then one day I remember, and I always like to tell this story because people, you know, wonder, how do you go from this to this? But I had like this desire inside of me to make a bigger impact. And I knew I felt like I was in a box and I couldn't do that. So one day I was on Facebook and a Facebook ad got me and it was like, it was called abundant yogi. And I did not identify as a yoga teacher because I, I didn't teach yoga, but I taught meditation to children. So I thought, Okay, I'm like a yogi in some capacity, so I went down her funnel, and um, there's this whole world of online business and online coaching, and so I wanted to bring my social work online, but I couldn't legally because having that registration, they wouldn't allow me. So I dropped it, the registration, took the leap, and and just have haven't stopped since and i've just been learning and growing and like what's next what's next what's next what's next um and it's been such a fun journey and most people are like what do you do when they're not familiar with my world but essentially i help people focus on what they do want and not the past because the second you're like Give yourself permission to really go after how you want to feel in your relationships, in your business, with your time, with your energy, with your health. And you own that and you stake that in the ground. The second you start taking action towards that, boom, all your crap comes up, your limiting beliefs, your resistance. And so I'm really helping people master through those roadblocks so that we can create quicker transformation
1: hmm I, I absolutely love that. And it, it leads into my next question too, is, you know, you say that you are a recovering hustler. Can you maybe just elaborate a bit on this and sort of what, what you mean by that as well? Yes.
0: So I, I would identify as like driven, ambitious, go, go, go. And I think any woman who runs a business, you know, you have to, you have to be flexible. You have to think quick on your feet. You have to be creative. Like there's lots of hats that you wear, but for a really long time, when you're seeking to live an alternative lifestyle, when you're seeking inspiration and motivation, like the first place I would go to is YouTube and I would type in like motivation and I would watch these videos of men mostly men saying like, hustle, grind, go, 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 do, do, do. You got to want it as bad as you want to breathe. And I, I truly believe that, but it's actually, it's like having a huge cup and I have a cup here. It's like hustling to me is like just, you know, you're constantly trying to fill something up, but having a huge energy leak. And I would much rather do less or be more intentional with my time and, and move the needle more. So the recovering hustler in me really stopped seven years ago when I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, um, because I was trying to do it all and be everything to everyone, and it was like, I hit my rock bottom. So after that, I was like, no more. I'm done suffering. I'm done pretending this needs to be hard. And I am so done with this cultural belief that you know we need to grind and hustle and I'm all about alignment. I'm all about what does that mean? It's like, does it feel good? You know, why are you doing this? And there's a difference between it's uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good. Like I can be working out or sending an email and the email is in alignment with my bigger vision and goal. And immediately I will feel relief once I send that email because I'll be like, oh, it's so done. I feel expansive. But in the moment I might be like, this is so uncomfortable. I don't want to do this that's to me is not hustling. Right. But if every day I'm like, get up, hate, you know, hate every moment. You're like, just sacrifice, sacrifice. I'm just like, I'm over it. I'm so over it. You end up broke, miserable, depressed. And you're like, this isn't
1: freedom. This isn't why I'm
0: doing what I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree and I think like you said there there has been sort of that culture before of you know you have to be you, you have to pull all-nighters you have to like do everything and instead of just actually sort of like you said aligning your purpose and you know why is it that you are doing what you're doing and you know do it to actually give you joy and benefit in the end um, so I definitely agree and you know you talked about there too before in the beginning sort of you said you wanted to have that bigger impact and you wanted to expand and can you tell us a bit about you know building this community that you that you have
0: oh man I didn't realize how much I needed community until I found it Um, and community isn't necessarily like large groups of people it's like-minded people and you know you when they say you have to find your people I think I I have different types of people in my life, like in business and parenting. And then I like, you know, I like weird things or I'm like, you know, can I join an introverted book club where I I'm perceived to be extroverted, but really I'm like highly sensitive and it's like your people just get you. And, um, when I started my business, I felt really alone, which is why I started my podcast and, when I started podcasting, speaking was a lot easier for me. I grew up barely able to write my name, like undiagnosed learning disabilities. And so I would speak a lot, I'd overcompensate with my sense of humor, and just I'd have to verbally process everything. So I got really creative with how I could communicate using my voice. Um, So when I was starting my business with a mentor, she was like, you got to have a funnel. You got to do these emails. You got to do this. And I was like, okay, this is hard, but I'll do it, but I'll do it, but I'll do it. And, and then I was like, I had this desire. I'm like, just speak, just speak, just speak. So I went, I started my podcast and I really did it from a place of, um, am I the only one out there? And you know, the, the title of it is mom is in control. And a lot of women, I was listening to them and they're like, I'm a mother and I feel out of control. And I didn't want to do it from a strategic perspective of like, this is how you gain control of your life because people perceive that. But I just kept talking. I kept talking about, you know, things that have worked for me and I felt very messy. It felt very imperfect. I, you know, my fear of judgment was there, like my fear of vulnerability, like being um, exposed what if, what if, what if, what if? And I started to do that. And then I would have webinars or I would have like a program. I would offer a program and then people would work with me. And I thought, holy crap, like this is it. And yeah, now I have like a whole community. My podcast is around 5 million downloads of these moms that are like, I'm done. I'm done with this game. I'm done with the rat race. I'm done. And I want to thrive. I want to make money. I want to feel good. I want to be healthy. I want to, you know, learn how to manage my expectations of who I need to be and who the world wants me to be. I want to deal with my fear of judgment. I want to deal with my guilt. And we need to do that in community because there is no one size fits all for anything. There is no, yeah, there's just no like blueprint. I have a, a process that I bring people through and things that I teach, but you know, people are like, "But how? But how? But how?" I'm like, "Go try it! Like, throw some noodles at the wall. See what sticks. What do you like? What don't you like?" So many people are afraid to just do.
1: Absolutely, I definitely agree. And i absolutely love sort of the messaging and you know how, like especially how you said that you know you need that community and it's not a one-size-fits-all you have to just sort of try and see what works best for you um and you also have your book coming out in march um dying to be a good mother and can you tell us a little bit about you know what made you decide to write this so i'm getting asked this question a lot right now and to be
0: honest like Sarah, do you know what, um, when I say desire, do you know what that is for you? Like when I say it was a desire of mine.
1: Yeah. Like it was you, it was something that you just really wanted.
0: Yes. And there was always these, like, like that little voice that just won't go away. You know, you're like, wouldn't it be nice if, or maybe, I don't know, or you're curious about it, or, you know, you're like, I would be attracted to other authors. I would you know, buy author books, like how to write. And it's like, you get closer and closer and closer to it. But then my resistance came in. So 15 years ago, or almost six, well, 16 years ago now, when I became a mom, um, I don't know why I was just like, I'm going to tell the story someday. And I was a teen mom and I, I don't know why, just the desire was there. But then the voice, the, the inner critic was telling me, You can't even write your name correctly. How are you going to write a book? And so the imposter syndrome, the fraud, the you can't, you can't was there. And so for 16 years or like 14 years, like I just, the journey was there and there and there. And then after I got sick, it was, I was like, okay, I think I got my story, but I don't want this to be a cancer story. And so it was weird because the desire was there, but it just didn't feel right to act on it. And I've really, during this process, learned that there's like a trust where you need to know when to act on something and when not to act on it. And for me, you know, post-cancer, it still wasn't a right time. Like it's been seven years. And then I did a TEDx in two years ago, the first one we had in Windsor. And the title of that ended up being Dying to Be a Good Mother. And I pretty much didn't transcribe that, but it's very based off of my TEDx talk. And then I go deeper into the stories. Yeah. And it just felt like time, but it also scared the crap out of me. And I had a lot of resistance and fear and things that I had to work through to even give myself permission to write the book. And essentially now writing it, I feel a lot better. Like it's done. It's, you know, it's not out yet, but it's done. And yeah, it's, it's, I just want women to know that they're not alone. And it's really this cultural shift of, um, we do not need to be di- like dying to be good. And what I mean by dying, it means any aspect of you, like killing off your dreams, killing off, you know, like choosing other people over yourself all the time. Um, we don't need to die inside to be good in the world. That's actually the complete opposite of what our life purpose is.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I love that. And you, you talked about there too, you know, you had that fear of writing the book and you had to really work through it. And do you want to just share maybe one of the ways you did this or some one of the tips to, for someone who maybe is scared to take that leap?
0: Yeah. So for me personally, there were standards that I had about writing this book. I didn't know if I was going to do a traditional publishing deal, I didn't know if I was going to do self-publishing. I didn't even know what that was. So I had to do a lot of research behind that. And I almost went down the traditional route. And then, you know, I was just getting signs of like, we want to change this. We want to change this. We want to change this. And what I kept hearing was, we want you to be somebody else. We want you to position this another way. We want you to like, put this out of alignment from what you really want to say to the world. And I was like, that defeats the purpose you're trying to tell me to be somebody that I'm not. So I'm going to go out and do this myself on my own terms, because that's the freaking point of the book. And then when I'm quote unquote good enough for you and you're like, Oh, you can sell books. Oh, you have a message. Oh, you've proven yourself. Then you want to buy my book. Now it's on my terms still. And it's like the money that I want to receive and you know, all of that fun stuff. So I'm, I'm waiting for that day to happen. It'll be fun. Um, but because I had so much resistance to writing, I also am one of those people where I don't like people hiding the truth. And the truth is that 90% of Published books that you see on the New York Times bestseller list are written by a ghostwriter. Like they have a writer, right? So, my belief going into this was that I had to write every single word or I was a failure. And what I realized by trying to do it myself, oh gosh, many, 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 many times, and even going through programs on how to write a book, I was really stuck on what book am I writing. And how do I get this out into the world? Like, how do I organize this? And I hired a writer, but I didn't just want to hire any writer and hiring a writer is almost like hiring somebody to help you make art. And so it was like a match made in heaven and we work really, really well together. And I'm so incredibly grateful. And she interviewed me. Um, I had so much shame around that, like so much shame around that, but not anymore. Like she interviewed me we edited, you know, and then it goes through editing process and all of that. So it's definitely a personal journey. It's not for everybody. This road I've taken, I've invested a lot of personal finances into it as well. Um, I also had to position my business in a way financially so that I could afford to invest in this. Uh, You can self-publish very differently. I just didn't want to do that. So there's so much in it, but it's like, I just had to Look at what was in front of me, pivot, course correct, say what's working, what's not working, pivot, course correct, and keep going.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it comes back to that moment when you said something can be scary, but you still want it to feel right. And so you wanted to make sure that this actually was your story coming out. So, you know, I think it's, it's amazing, you know, the process of it. And I'm so excited to read it. And you said in the story too, you know, you talk about your journey with being diagnosed with cancer. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it was December 21st, 2013. I'm like, what year was it? Um, and I remember going to the hospital with my husband. I went by myself the night before I had abdominal bloating. So I would say my youngest was a year old and my abdomen was just swollen. And I thought I wasn't, I just discounted myself. Um, I didn't really matter. The first night I went by myself, um, I left, I left, I went to the emergency room cause I was in so much pain and discomfort and my husband kind of had enough with me complaining and, you know, wanted to do something about it. But I left because I didn't even think I belonged in that room. I was like, I'm not sick enough to be here. And so I went by myself. And then the next day, my husband was like, you We're going to the hospital and we're not leaving until you're seen by a doctor. And so the next day in the emergency room, they did a CT, CAT scan on my abdomen, blood work, and on the spot told me that I had cancer. Um, And Sarah, the confirmation, like full body chills. It was like a knowing. I, it was like, I knew this. I knew I was sick, I knew it was cancer, and I was running away from it. Um, And and then I thought, okay, it's only going to be stage one, I'm young, and it was a rapid growing cancer, and it was stage four, and I didn't have a lot of time to make decisions. I, you know, at that time was into yoga and green juice, but I definitely wasn't into self-respect and, you know, like the inner dialogue stuff and healing past trauma and slowing the fuck down. Um, so I was like, okay, I was, I remember I was on the phone with like some Google, like some, oh gosh, cancer retreat center I found in Mexico that I couldn't afford to go to. And they were trying to convince me not to do chemo because it was poison. It was going to kill me. And I'm like, you can't tell me that. Like one, I'm not privileged financially enough at this moment to be able to afford this luxury retreat place that you're trying to pitch me on. And two, like you don't tell somebody that is like backed into a corner, terrified that they're going to die, that chemo is going to kill them. And when you don't even know anything about me, um, And so I had to surrender. I had to surrender to Western medicine. I had to surrender and trust people that went to school. But then I also had to take my power back and co-create, you know, my health with with these people. Like, okay, thank you. You got me here. Now what's going to get me here? And what's going to get me here? And what's going to get me here? And, you know, asking for second opinions and doing all the work, changing my diet, changing how I treated myself, changing um, you know, integrative medicine. And it was such, it felt like a clean slate, like a starting over and, uh, yeah, definitely a journey.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, I I can't even imagine. And you know, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. But I I do admire, you know, the way that you are sharing it, and you know how you have come out on the other side with this. And I know, you know, it's something you also talk about in your book, and as well as a syndrome that you talk about in your book is dying to be a good mother syndrome. And do you want to just tell us a little bit about what this is?
0: Yes. Yeah, so. I here's the weird part in the, in the book, I talk a lot about my journey through the early stages of mothering and understanding my children's behavior. And I tell like some uncomfortable stories around that. Um, And when I started my business, it was very child focused. It was very like, you know, parent child focused. And then I was hearing from women that I was working with. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. Um, it's very mentally, you know, exhausting for me to implement this. I just, I can't get it. My, my relationship with my partner is actually suffering. I hate my job. Um, My health is deteriorating. And I was like, okay, okay. Like we'll deal with that. But like you paid me to work on your child stuff. And after I got sick, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I get it you know, this dying to be a good mother syndrome is women dying inside, not enjoying their career, their relationships, not thriving, not making any money. And if they don't make any money, that's fine. But like feeling worthless because they're not making any money or even looking at the household money, like having no control over the money, and just like every aspect of their life feeling disempowered. And I was like, they're dying. Like their spirit is dying. And then you go on Instagram or like for me, when I started my business, like I remember one of the first conversations I had with somebody and they were telling me now that I was a mother, I needed to buy the cheap shampoo. And I was like, what does that mean? Cause I liked my hair. I still like to invest in my hair. It's always been like my thing. And I'm like, you're telling me spending an extra $5, $10 on quality shampoo makes me a bad mother. Well, you're giving everything to your child now. You're giving everything to your child now. And I'm like, and just because I'm the rebel and I'm a questioner, I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me because if this brings me joy and it makes me feel good and you're telling me by discounting myself and making myself feel shit, I'm being better for my child. You know, the self-care is selfish. And I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, because the person that's giving me the advice, I actually don't respect because they're angry, miserable, and mean. And so, but the courage to step into that and like, be like, I'm going to buy myself that damn shampoo. You get judged. You feel guilty. Like I'm doing something bad. I'm a bad person. Um, You're afraid of what other people think. And so this syndrome, dying to be a good mother syndrome, Um, I mean, it's just the title. I didn't coin it. I'm not a doctor. It's just, you know, everyone likes putting syndromes and labels on things. But it's this cultural addiction that this martyr. And I'm like, why isn't anybody like stopping and questioning their lifestyle? Like, oh, look at me. I'm so tired. Like, it's one thing to say, I'm tired. I'm tired. You're allowed to be tired. You're allowed to be exhausted. You're allowed to be overwhelmed by life. You're allowed to be burnt out. What the fuck are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it to create sustainability? And because you feel good, does that make you a bad person to the people that you love? Because I'll tell you, after a long day of quote unquote work, right? Doing something that gives me life. I'm going to go and be present with my family because I've been able to fill my cup outside of my work with you know, the way that I eat, the way that I move my body, the way that I do all of these things. And if I need downtime, I'm allowed to have downtime. And if I need more support, I'm allowed to ask for help. There is no way that I need to be the mom, the online educator, the business owner, the relationship person, blah, 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 blah. And nobody else has to take responsibility for anything. Just me, just me. So As you can see, I get on a soapbox because I truly believe it's killing women um, and nobody's going to talk about it. No one's going to talk about the correlation of, you know how many women Sarah have said to me, I wish that I got sick so that I could get a break from my life. Like I wish I could just go to the hospital for a week so I could get a break. And I'm like, I would rather go on vacation, um, but you're going to wait until you get sick to give yourself, quote unquote, permission, because you're going to wait for someone else to give you permission so that you can take a damn break. And I've heard it during COVID. I've heard both, both things. I've heard women saying, this has actually been the best thing ever because our lives aren't so packed anymore. And then, of course, I've heard people say, this is horrible and it's totally you know, screwed up our lives and whether it was, you know, their business, whether it's their relationships, whether it's their time management, their mental health. And I just say to people, listen, some are thriving right now and some are just surviving. And, you know, there's no shame or embarrassment because that was me like when I couldn't figure my shit out. But it's how you recover from this that is really going to make the impact. When you sit with your discomfort and say, I am determined to never get myself in this situation again, and I am so grateful, so grateful that I got cancer, so grateful that the universe brought me that gift um, because when the pandemic hit, I looked at my husband and I said, we've been here before and we're going to be okay. Because we're in a state of thrival in all areas of our lives or most areas of our lives. And yes, some shrink and expand and things are always evolving, but we will be okay because we've prepared for this. Mm -hmm. So if your life is not sustainable, that is dying to be a good mother and living to be good is where it's at.
1: I definitely agree. And, you know, you touched on so many great points there. And, you know, one is two is that you were talking about was everyone being so busy and wanting that break and, you know, not, not taking that time for yourselves. And, you know, you are allowed to do that. And, you know, with that too, do you have sort of just a tip or any advice on, you know, how you manage your time with running your own business, your podcast, you do speaking, um, as well as family and, you know, just something that people can take away from that?
0: Yes. So there is a process that I teach called energetic time management. But here's the interesting part. People will say to me, Wow, you've been so busy. I'm watching you on social media. You're so busy. But imagine it's interesting how we perceive that everything that we see is true. Just because I'm more visible does not mean I'm physically there, right? So while you're watching me on social media, My team is posting that content and I'm hanging out with my family. Content that I've created in the last 10 years of my life. So while I'm in the background doing whatever I want to do, people are perceiving me to be quote unquote busier because they're seeing me more because a video is being repurposed or, you know, it's just active or whatever they're watching. Right? So one of it is perception and also realizing we're like, how does she do that? If you're asking how be curious and invest in, how do I do that? Because I've hired mentors all throughout my growth process. I did not just magically get here by myself. I had to do the work, but I've hired and invested in myself all throughout the process. And there was no one and done. There's not somebody who can be everything to me. Right? So that was one, one thing about managing my energy is like, you have to, in, you have to be willing to invest in yourself. You have to be willing to invest time and energy in yourself and money in yourself. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. So people are like, I can't afford it, but you can afford a $5 latte at Starbucks. If you actually get rid of your lattes for a month, you now have enough for a gym membership. You now have enough for, I don't know, a few elastic bands that you could do at home. But what you really don't want to do is sit with your discomfort, your emotional discomfort of pushing through your resistance. Because when you're pushing through your resistance, you're actually looking at yourself in a mirror saying, am I worthy of investing in me? Am I worthy of investing this time in me? So energetic time management is having your anchor feeling. How do you want to feel in your life? And when I started the process, I felt dead. So the opposite of dead was alive. And I was like, what do I need to do today to feel alive? And when you're dying, it was like, take a shower, get out of bed. Like that's all I could handle. And then now it's like bigger leaps, bigger leaps, bigger leaps. And so I reverse engineer how I want to feel. I teach women how to do that. And that those are non-negotiables. Those are anchor feelings. And then everything else is sprinkled in. And most of, you know, the extra crap is bullshit. Um, and if I can't do it all, I scale it. I scale it. And somebody else is doing it for me. I'm hiring more team. I'm making shit happen. It's like oh, all of our limiting beliefs come up.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's some really great points. And like you said there, it's, it's about the priorities. You know, what is it that's important to you? What is it you want to take and go? What is the best way to be listening to Made It Happen podcast? Maybe with a glass of rosé, chardonnay. Either way, I want to talk about the official wine of Made It Happen podcast, Paglioni Estate Winery. Paglioni Estate Winery celebrates the simple life in Canada's southernmost wine region with food, wine, and Italian charm. They pay homage to the winemaking traditions of the old world, enhanced by the unique terrier of southern Ontario. Made as they were generations before, their high quality small batch wines are crafted with minimal intervention using only the best locally grown grapes. From their cellar to their kitchen, it's all about carrying on the tradition. You can check them out at Winery.com, where you can shop their wide variety of wines, my personal favorite, the 2018 Cabernet Marlowe, but they have a wide selection of amazing wines to choose from, as well as gift cards and other amazing items. Be sure to go check them out at paglioneestatewinery.com. Um, I wanted to bring up one more other point from, you know, your book as you talk about these zones, um, you know, mm. red zone, yellow zone, green zone. Can you tell us a little bit about these and, you know, how they relate in life or business?
0: Yeah. So the easiest way to describe this, and I think it's like the zones of regulation or something. I'm not really sure where I first acquired this, but I want you to think of a traffic light. And there's many different ways that you can see this. So the zones of regulation are, you have green light, yellow light, red, and we all know what to do in the red. We have to stop In the yellow, it's like you're going to have to stop soon. And the green means go, like you're golden. So we can either look at this many different ways, but you can look at the buckets of your life. And you're like, where in your life are you in the red? Like you're just in survival mode. And it might be every area of your life. When you are living in the red, you cannot solve problems from the red zone. You can't example as well, if you're looking this through a parenting lens, if your child is having a tantrum and you're like, Hey, why are you so angry? You're not going to solve the problem in the red zone. It's easier to say, um, I see you're angry. We're going to stop. We're going to reassess. We'll talk about this later. Or you just be quiet and you return to it later. The yellow zone is you're feeling it's like before you burn out, Before your bank account runs on empty, your car runs on empty, like all of these things, you get signs and symptoms, right? So before you're too hungry, right? Before your kids are too hungry. Um, But people aren't living, like they're not paying attention to their yellow zone. We live in such a fast paced culture that people will say to me, I go from green to red or my child's behavior goes from green to red or Heather last month, everything was great. And now I'm in the red again. And I'm like, no, it wasn't great. You just didn't feel the discomfort of your red zone coming because you weren't paying attention to what's in your yellow zone. And yeah. And I just, I started talking about this when I was um, really focusing on like child behavior, which is one aspect of my business, but it's not my main focus. It's like complementary to what I do. And I was just trying to solve all my problems with my son in my red zone. And I remember one time going to um, his school and I was speaking about this concept and I said, you can't solve problems in the red zone. And the principal came to me and one of the kids came to me and the mom, she was like, that was my biggest takeaway. I've been trying to solve all my kids. Like I'm trying to justify with my kids and have these conversations when they're angry. We never return to the conversation. So I'm always asking myself, like, what zone am I in? was zone is my kid in? and kids. Now clients will say to me, you know, they have this language where they're like, I'm in my yellow zone, which means don't push me. I'm going to explode. And I will say to my kids too, I'm like, I'm having a yellow day or, uh, you know, how you feeling? What color are you? And you know, someone's like, I'm, I'm red. You're like, okay, he needs space. And so it's just a really good tool to kind of communicate your feelings.
1: Absolutely, I th- I think that's such a great way to put it. And you know, like you said, watching out for those signs of the yellow before it gets to the red. And so I think that's you know a great takeaway in life and as well in business. I think it's something you can definitely you know watch out for. And with a with businesses as well. Um, if you had one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is thinking of starting a business or might be just starting out, um, what would that be?
0: If you're thinking about starting something, it's a desire, do it. And if you pretend and justify or be responsible or realistic, your logical brain will talk you in or out of something and it will, your desire will never go away and it's just going to eat away at you. So you just got to jump off the cliff and try, 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 try. Have at least one person in your life that uh, you trust that will give you honest feedback and that can hold the belief for you when you start. Because I didn't have that when I started and I really wish I did. Because, you know, when you're taking big, scary leaps, it's nice to have that one person that you're like, oh my God, I want to vomit and crap my pants. Um, You know, all the cliche things that you hear, you will fail, you will fail, you will fail. I actually, it's interesting because I've never really had a fear of failure and I'm sure I have, but not in the traditional sense of like, I'm afraid to fail because I actually don't believe in failure. I only believe in failure when you quit. So unless you've given up, you haven't failed. And you know, when you're in business too, and I've, I've had many conversations with, especially local people during COVID, you got to, You got a plan, but then you have to become completely flexible with that plan and you have to get outside your comfort zone. So I've watched gyms thrive through COVID and I'm like, how come this one is going out of business and this one is thriving and I'm watching them and I'm like, well, they had a social media presence before COVID. They're selling community. So people are invested in them, not their gym equipment, and they figured out how to bring it online or also create community offline and they freaking thrive. They thrive and they're adding complimentary workshops and all of this. And then there's a brick and mortar or massage therapist or whatever it is. And then, you know, someone who you walk in physical products and I'm like, I have had some of the best shopping experiences on Instagram with small business owners who gave me an amazing experience in the DMs in, in Instagram. And then other people who are just freaking terrified of technology. And I'm like, listen, if you are in business and you are not investing in personal development, you will not survive. End of discussion. Being a business owner, it doesn't matter if you're the founder, the CEO, and you've hired a huge team. The second something happens like this and you can't pivot and say, hey guys, ladies, whoever, everyone, we gotta rise above this. Ideas, what do you need? You don't need to have all the ideas, but you need to understand how to lead people. And I sincerely do not understand how business owners survive without personal development. I do not understand the concept. I don't get it. If you're not investing in yourself as a business owner, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your creative side, your leadership skills. I have your, you know, if you are all of a sudden in hiring employees or contractors, you better have leadership skills. You better know how to run a team and you will learn as you go but I do not understand how people think personal development is weird in the business world. It blows my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And you know, you had so many great points there and I I definitely agree with, you know, that local aspect and of businesses really pivoting right now and those being open to change and even industries that are, completely based on in-person like you said gyms or event industries so many of them have been innovative and added in new aspects to their business that you know they can carry going forward and a lot of that like you said is through that you know that professional development that personal development Um, so I think it's it's amazing to see you know what businesses have come out with during this time and you have a lot of exciting things coming up and with your book coming out on March 8th so would you just like to share where people can find your book when it does come out, as well as any other future plans you have coming up?
0: Yeah. So the, the I think the best part is just to go to my main website or the best area to go is so my name.com. So Heather Chauvin.com And my last name is spelled C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. Um, and there's a book tab. And what we're doing is we're actually, um, you can opt in and we're giving like a 20 page workbook. So I'm pretty much giving you a workbook for the book. So, you know, you can have discussion questions, you can have a little book club, just reflection questions for yourself to dig deeper. Some like of the actual graphics, cause I'm a very visual learner. Um, so you can get that. And I'm very active on my podcast. So go to mom is in control. Check it out on where you listen to podcasts. Mom is in control. Um, and I want you to send me, um, a message on Instagram. I'm very active. Just send me a DM, say, hello. I heard you on this podcast.
1: Uh, and you can find me at Heather Chauvin on Instagram. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.